Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various aspects of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Rob, I appreciate your intro. Appreciate how smooth you are with these things. Appreciate how you appreciate me appreciating you. I do appreciate that. And what's your name? <laughs> my name is... Let's, let's do this on my time, okay? okay. This, is, this is my... <laughs> my name's Rick. Um, glad you guys are here. Today we're going to talk about Joel, wrap up chapter two. We're also going to talk about how Rob's an audio engineer. Oh my. And how he's um, hiring out his services for podcast editing. So That's not happening, and nor would you want it to. Either way, listen up. You will enjoy today's episode. Rob, it's good to be back in studio with you. As always, professional studio that we have. We're grateful for what we have. Yeah. Um, we, we are grateful for, for what we have. Mm. Professional studio might be a bit of a stretch. You are recording on your end, right? Yeah, baby. So, listeners, let me just give you a peek in the, what's been going on. We tried to record earlier today, and the Zoom pod track P4 that we use, which we've mentioned before on this podcast because of all the frustrations we have with it, decided to really take over the show. Mm. And we couldn't even start our own portion of the recording. We hit record because we usually have to do that, let it run for a little bit before it decides to start acting the way it's supposed to act. And this time it just didn't. So we had to cancel the whole thing. And so now we've got a different piece of equipment here, one that we used previously, but the setup is more difficult and seems to be working right now. But if there's if the audio sounds awful or a little bit weird, then thanks for putting up with it. Mm-hmm. But we are here and we are yes. able to record. So praise the Lord for that. Good job, Rob. Way to get the update. Yes. How you doing though? Oh, thank you. I'm doing all right. Today's been really busy. Um, just a lot of running around and stuff coming up. And yeah, but overall, I'm doing okay. Got to meet up with Ben this morning, which is good. good. Always enjoy meeting up with him. And um, work's going okay. Excuse me, work's going all right. Uh, we're busy, but that's a good thing right now. What's not a good thing is trying to juggle between work and the church in this busy season of work. Q4 is always the busiest for us because all the places need lots of people. Mm-hmm. But Santa's little helpers. That's right. That's right. And we find them. <laughs> doggone it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I mean, today's busy, but it's okay. Good. How was yesterday? Yeah. How was yesterday for you? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. And, I'm, enough I'm about like you, Robert. all in a um, whirl right now. How's your day going? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been a good day. You want to give us a little, nah, a little more nah, context? Nah, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, yeah, man. Hey, how's your kitchen coming? Yeah, it's coming along. You have to come see it sometime. You want to just show me? Nope. Yeah, I come see it in person. Oh. Mm, mm. Okay. Just like that wood-burning stove you had. Exactly. Yeah. Listen, here's the thing. When video pictures they have their purpose but if you it's well within grasp to come view and take in something in person it's worth it because everything's better in person even church well that's yeah maybe not maybe not that one but yeah yeah i mean online venues are online you can't beat that 
I mean, literally, you sit on your couch and you watch uh, church happen. I should not. I should not say anymore. Why, but why not, Rob? You worried? It is better in person. Are you worried that SBC dollars are going to dry up on you? No, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> they're they're like the fish of Capistrano. They just flow. They're everywhere. No, that's not. That's not it either. They have been generous. We're very grateful, but not. I'm worried about um, saying something a little too harshly than what I should say it. Mm. But I think it's been well documented, our views of, quote unquote, online church. Yeah. But that's not what we're getting into today. No. Maybe and we should. Let's get into it. Rob, give me your yeah, thoughts you know on online you know, church. Rob, you've been stressed. It seems like you really want to talk about you this. Know, Go ahead. I think a little a little vamp session here will, will help you. Uh-huh. Be, be healthy for you. <laughs> it's, good, go. it's good when you're like already having a lot of neg- negative emotion. To go ahead and dive yeah, into something that you exactly have strong it's good when you've views been running on. around back and forth, and you're a little stressed out about your podcast setup. To yeah. really just let us know how you feel about something that <laughs> go ahead, let it, people are divided. Let on. it rip, Rob. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, we're in Joel. We've been going through Joel, and Joel is um, what well, we find ourselves in chapter two. Joel is a minor prophet. Mm-hmm. And there are three chapters in this book of Joel, and we are just over halfway, and today we find ourselves in chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. Yeah, we're, so, we're wrapping up. Rick, do you want up. me to read that, or do you want to read that? I can, Sorry, I can, go ahead. I can read it. I was just saying we're wrapping up chapter 2, and then, yep. um, you know, actually, um, a little breaking news here, which isn't actually breaking news at all. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. This just in, simple theology takes a break in December, so we have th- Ooh, we have right. three after this week. We have three episodes left, two episodes, um, okay. and we will probably just wrap up Joel. Um, so it'll be good. It'll work out well for us this year, Joel. But today, Joel chapter two, verses twenty-eight through thirty-two, and this is what it says: And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the sur- survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Boom. Yeah. So. About a pal. So just remember, uh, just to, to kind of rewind a bit or just look back to the previous section, talking about um, the, the day of the Lord and how the Lord's going to bring judgment. Um, but this is, let's see here. Yeah, in chapter 2. I just want to read for a, for a moment. Verse 27. Um, nope, that's not where I want to start. This is why you make better notes. That's right, that's right. Um, verse 25. I will restore to you the years that are the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper and the destroyer and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and, pr- and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none, no one else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. So we see in that passage, in the Joel chapter 2, in the passage I just read, 
the judgment is coming, but yet the Lord, there's a cry for repentance, and then the Lord has pity on his people. He he relinquishes, um, and he begins to restore his blessing to his people. And then, and some of that prophecy is for that was for then, right? So it's historical now, it happened. Some of that is still yet to come. Um, and then, so we get into verse, verse 28 through 32, and we see this kind of new prophecy of, this, of the day of the Lord. So, still connect that to what's going on in the rest of chapter two yep yep so he he writes that he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh so rick does that mean that all humanity is going to receive the spirit of god all everything that has flesh every flesh being animals crows um sea lions so extreme universalist I mean, Rob, what does it say? It says all flesh. <laughs> the text says. Let's read no. what the plain reading of the text is. <laughs> Let's get back to the Bible. No, but this is how some people say, well, look, look, the Lord says he's going to pour out his flesh on all people. It does not mean that. Um, rather, it means on his people. So I don't know if I, there's more to add there, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and one of the ways we can find that out is because of the very next portion of verse 28, where it says, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And so he's talking to the nation of Israel. And we see in the New Testament mm-hmm. where um, the Apostle Paul in Romans tells us that um, one is now no longer an Israelite by by flesh, by circumcision of the flesh, but by circumcision of the heart. Mm. And so now when we read your sons and daughters, we're saying the sons and daughters of, of the nation of Israel. So those who are Israelites. And then the New Testament tells us those who are Israelites are not Israelites by flesh only, um, or no longer by flesh, but rather by a new heart, a regenerated heart. So anyone who is in Christ, who is in that true Israelite, is now considered an Israelite. So it says your sons and daughters shall prophesy, referring to the people of God. So all Christians. And so verses, um, it's also helpful to know that these four, or excuse me, these five verses, 28 through 32, are most interpreters will understand the passage to be referring to the Messianic age. Mm-hmm. And so the early church also agreed with this. Peter quoted um, quoted this very passage on the day of Pentecost. So if you look at Acts um, chapter 2, verse 17, uh, starting there, we see, and it shall be, or, and in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. So you can see that in Peter's sermon in Acts 2. And when it's talking about your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants in those days I'll pour out my spirit. What we're seeing is God saying that he's going to reveal himself to all who are considered his people. Mm-hmm. So it's no longer reserved just for the prophets. It's no longer reserved just for the priests. But now, because of our greater prophet and our greater priest, we who are in Christ, who is the greater prophet and the greater priest, now have access to God. 
And so we can understand who he is. He is revealed to us. Now, we don't know him in full, but we know him. Whereas previously, we needed a mediator. And now we have a great mediator, no longer a priest or no longer a prophet. But now the one whom we are in, Christ himself, is our mediator. So now we have the privilege to know God and to bring our prayers and our petitions directly to him. Yeah, and I was I was reading a comment on this, and they're talking about how this um, just the, as the Lord pours out His Spirit, how you know Romans eight five, those who fix their mind on the things of the Spirit, does what the Spirit desires, right? They're obedient to the Spirit, whereas those who fix their mind on the things of the flesh, follow what the flesh desires. And they're just talking about how as the Lord pours out His Spirit, practically in a believer, like you begin, you think more about the Lord. Those are the thoughts that spill over from your heart into your the way you speak and the way even the things that you like literally things you dream about like there's this this abundance of of the presence of the lord through his spirit that changes the way that we speak the way that we think it overflows in our life and how even in this prophecy in joel that we see in acts this idea that we as believers through the presence of the holy spirit creates um not just like an excitement for for the lord but genuinely, uh, we begin to speak and live in a way that is prophetic, in a sense, for the word of the Lord to the people around us. Yeah, and I'm glad you touched on that, because when we see your sons and daughters shall prophesy, um, there's a debate within evangelicalism and within orthodoxy that prophesy means either the miraculous gift or the charismatic gift of prophesying, declaring God's words, and in the mm-hmm. New Testament, most most in the within the realm of orthodoxy would say in the New Testament that's going to look different than the Old Testament. The debate lies with what does that look like. Mm, yeah. Some say that it's a strong feeling and that you feel inclined to say that could be mixed with error. It's kind of the Wayne Grudem side of things. Um, others say that it's God's people speaking God's words. So when you see preaching happening, and not just preaching from the pulpit, but as brothers and sisters preach or proclaim God's words to one another, they are speaking God's words or or proclaiming it to other people. They are speaking God's words, and therefore they are prophesying. Not that it's a new revelation of, thus saith the Lord, Mm -hmm. but it's one another saying, this is what God has said. Let's look in his word, pointing people back to the word. And so there's that debate there, whether it's pointing people to the Word of God, yeah, and so that's speaking on behalf of God, or it's a strong feeling that you feel inclined to declare, but it could be mixed with some air because we're still in our fallen um, sinful bodies. So wherever you fall on that, I have my own opinion, but for the sake of this podcast, we see that this gift of prophecy, whichever side you fall on, is not not just reserved for the super Christians but it's now given to all of God's people. And so if you're in the one side of the camp, then you say it's given to all of God's people in the sense that anyone can prophesy, can have this strong feeling that they feel that they need to declare. The other side would say that now all God's people have God's word and they can share God's word with one another. So whichever camp you fall in, we see that this gift of prophesying is not just reserved for the super Christian. Yeah, and that's, we know, through verse 29, even on the male and female servants in those days, I'll pour out my spirit. So you're talking, Joel's writing to uh, a nation that has great pride in their identity, 
in as God's people, and he's addressing them, and he's saying, listen, even your servants, slaves, like those least among you, the lowest um, citizens, caste, really, so we're not even citizens um, among you, will like receive the Spirit. So you begin to see in Joel, the end of Joel 2, what Paul is referring to in Ephesians 2. This breaking down and the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile, between um, like <laughs> even in James, those who those who are rich and the poor, those who have and those who have not, those who come from just all kinds of different strata of the culture and the, and the world. The Lord faithfully pours out his spirit on them without this division um, or a feeling of superior superiority because they, you know, are God's chosen people or whatever. So there's a beautiful like yeah. reminder right there in verse 29 of that. Yeah, that's good. And and this pouring out of the spirit is is a climactic thing that takes place within the history of the church. I mean, this is, in the Old Testament, we see God um, ha- like revealing his spirit or having moments mm-hmm. where his prophet is um, speaking in the spirit, mm-hmm. but we don't see a, a pouring out in the same way that we see it in the New Testament. There may even be some similar language, because even David said, don't take your spirit from me. In the New Testament, we now see like this, where previously maybe it was like a, a shower head of God's Spirit being poured onto His people. Now we just see a waterfall. Yeah. We get the, this yeah. immense um, immersion mm-hmm. of God's Spirit. I mean, ultimately, that's what baptism is meant to reflect, that we've been immersed in Christ, yeah. that we've been buried with Him, and the immersion that happened before the physical immersion of baptism, because we're Baptists, you should be fully fully immersed. That's the primary way. <laughs> and <laughs> um, the, the Didache actually talks about that, yeah. about how that's the the most preferred way. Um, a guy in our congregation, attorney Jonathan Fagan, he pointed that out, like the Didache even points out from the early church that the, the preferred way of baptism is in living water mm-hmm. like a river immersion in living water I, I'll be, and then immersion in sitting water yeah. and then you can do the sprinkling but but what i'm, what I'm getting at and hold your thought there right? i got I don't it cut you off it's gone but what i'm getting at is that is this pouring yeah this pouring out of the holy spirit this is a huge moment this is what god's people have been waiting for for god to dwell among them in a more intimate way than a tent within a camp within more intimate way than even a temple within a nation, but he now dwells within the hearts of his people. And this Holy Spirit dwelling with his people, that, I mean, he even gets his name because he is holy, but he's also making his people holy. Mm-hmm. We see um, R.C. Sproul in his book, The Holiness of God, just read this today, said, he is called the Holy Spirit not only because he is holy himself, but also because he is working to produce holiness in us. Mm. So we need a foreign holiness, a foreign righteousness to be in God's presence. But God himself, knowing that we could not accomplish that, has sent himself, Mm -hmm. has sent his own spirit, who's not just the spirit of God, but it's the Holy Spirit who is holy and makes us holy so that we can be in his holy presence. Amen. And you, I think one of the things, keep in mind the context of Joel, uh, the threat of uh, potentially where you place Joel, just either the threat of exile to Babylon or just the threat to the nations around them, um, 
this is a promise of preservation. It's a promise we see um, we see fulfilled in, in Romans eight. We see that the promise that the Lord will keep and sustain His people. That there's a that we as believers are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Right. So this is a, a, a promise of preservation for God's people. So these first uh, twenty eight and twenty nine seem to be fulfilled at Pentecost. That's my take on it, yeah. Rob. You can tell me if you, yep. if you disagree. I agree. Um, but 30, 31, and 32 don't seem to be fulfilled at Pentecost. They are yep. eschatological. They're yet to come, right? So first three verses, or first two verses, historical prophecy. It's already taken place. The last three verses, still yet to come. So, I mean, there's talk about... Um, blood moons and the fire and columns and smoke and all this stuff happening um it's confusing and people want to write a lot of they want to write a lot of books not about ironically not about verse 28 and 29 um or verse 31 but about verse 30 i mean it's good like we need to understand these things it says verse 30 and i will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth blood and fire in columns of smoke, the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So verse 30, verse 32 there. And it shall come to pass that all that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is this is new covenant language, right? So this isn't language that, that we... Um, that the Israelites would have been super familiar with because under the old covenant, there's some exclusivity to, to the message, right? And as Christ or as God pours out his spirit, then the, uh, the ability for people to respond and to, to hear and to, to respond to it is great, tremendously increased. And then there's this, listen, whoever calls on the, on the name of the Lord, right, will be saved. This language that works its way back here to Joel chapter or verse 32 in chapter 2. So this is like an encouragement thing. As you're saying, this is a, a very big deal. The Lord pouring out his spirit, saying, listen, things are things are, are going to come. They're going to change the atmosphere. There's things in the atmosphere, or the, the stars and the sky. But you need to be encouraged. For all, who, and, um, all who call the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is a, mm. a gift of the Lord's grace and his mercy. And then... The rest of that verse, for in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And we could go off just on that last part and talk about the doctrines of grace and why we, we, we believe in those things, but just yeah. a quick little comment, and that is we see God's sovereignty over his people in the Old Covenant, and we see God's sovereignty over his people in the New Covenant. Hmm. Rob, Amen. is there something in that coffee that was? I saw like a, a, a wince. I don't know if it was the coffee or something I said. Oh no, I I saw something on my glasses. Oh oh, no glasses. So yeah, I was like right. Trying to squint yeah. to see if it was <laughs> something in my glasses. Glasses. Coffee tastes fine. No, but <laughs> it is important that we we see the continuity one between the old covenant and the new covenant, and then even in Joel, the Lord's um, preparing to to redeem and save His people. That is not a yeah. new work. That is something he has planned from eternity past. Yeah, that's good. The the survivors, those who survive mm -hmm. this coming judgment, yeah. will be those whom the Lord calls. And yeah, to your point, we could go on about how 
Lord is sovereign over all things, including salvation. We completely affirm that. But even if you are not in the Calvinist camp like we are, you can acknowledge that the only reason that you are saved is because the Lord has graciously provided a way. Yeah. And so this passage here that there are survivors, and the only sur- ones who survive the coming judgment of God are those whom he has called. Great mm. reason to praise the Lord Amen. today for the salvation Amen. that you have if you are in Christ. And if you're not in Christ, then all the more reason to call out on his name to recognize that there is a coming judgment, mm. that the Lord is a perfectly just God. And if he were, th- that inner longing that you as a non-believer have for justice, if someone were to steal your car, you'd be extremely upset. Mm. If someone were to harm someone you love, you would be upset. There's a longing for justice. And we see the the outrage that our society has had just in the last couple years of our justice system not being perfect justice. Mm. That reason that they have for that outrage is because they're made in the image of God. Yeah. And God is a perfectly just God. And so there is a longing for perfect justice. And that day is coming. Mm-hmm. However, the only people who will survive it, who will survive it, are those who are in Christ. That's right. Yeah. And that, you know, I, Sunday I preached uh, a recap of First John. And in First John, uh, John's, what I state, John's intention in the book is to bring clarity hmm. bring clarity to the christians to the church so that the church may know are we true believers or not what is a true believer right and he gives three tests he says he gives the the, the doctrine test do you believe that jesus is god do you have um, orthodox doctrine the moral test do you obey the commands of god right are you living in a way that and then the social or the love test do you love god's people right so these are three things three tests that john just on repeat, writes about in this letter, and and it brings clarity. So it's it's a hard message to hear, right? Because you 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 have to honestly evaluate your heart and apply the tests. But it, but it can bring great clarity, which is a great joy. It's a great joy, really, either way. So even as you're saying this in the end of chapter two of Joel, that uh, the Lord. Those who are survive are who are those who are in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you, you will not like survive. You'll not make it through. That sounds harsh, but what a gift to have clarity to know that I am and to have confidence. I am in the Lord or I'm not. But we do not want to fool ourselves. We definitely do not want to um, lead others in foolishness or, or yeah, deceive and, others. Yeah, and if it does sound harsh, then then be reminded of what the beginning of verse 32 says. It shall come to pass that everyone, everyone, mm. no one falls through the cracks, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If it sounds harsh, then mm. I would encourage you, call on the name of the Lord. Yeah. It's it's not like, hey, the 50% of those who choose to call on the name of the Lord will be saved, and you've got to wonder. Right. No, the scriptures say here that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, if you would humble yourself, and acknowledge that you are a sinful person. Yes. And that you will not escape God's judgment and that you do need your sin taken away and that you do need an outside righteousness. Um, just this past Sunday, uh, we were singing, oh, what was the hymn? 
I've never heard that. Um, I don't know that one. Oh, I'm gonna sing it. Can't sing remember it the name of it, but, but but there's a there's a verse in it that says, um, talking about Christ being the double cure and removing our sins and making us pure. And there's that there's that double cure aspect mm-hmm. of the person and and the work of Christ that his work removes our sin because he he went to the cross for us and then his person being perfectly righteous he then attributes his righteousness to us so he takes our sin away then he makes us pure there's that twofold aspect going on and if you would acknowledge that you are in need of both and if you would depend entirely on christ to provide both then you will be saved anyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved that is the promise in verse 32 amen yeah there you have it rob uh anything else you want to you want to get into with this to mean as far as some people say that all of this is yet to come some people say all this has already happened i think we kind of presented our case i think some of it's fulfilled some is yet to be fulfilled so yeah i would agree with the way you presented it but again this is not something that i have a a wildly strong opinion on Mm. what Um, give us something that you do have a wildly strong opinion on Outside of orthodoxy. Exclu- I was going to say the exclusivity of Christ, but that's within orthodoxy. Um, that the SEC is overrated. <laughs> you know, Robert, I am not much of a sports aficionado, but I do know enough to know. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Um, yeah. So anyway. Thanks. Yeah. All right. Gang, you can uh, you can find out more if you go to simpletheology.org. If you have any topics that you would like us to touch on, especially as we head into the break, that'll give us an opportunity to look at some of those and prep for them. So go over to simpletheology.org and fill out a little contact form right there. You can give us some topic ideas, or you can leave us a voicemail over there, or you can send us a Facebook message or Instagram message, whatever floats your boat. But you can find all mm-hmm. of the information at our website, simpletheology.org. And for those who do support us, thank you for allow for supporting us. You allow us to be able to get some of the equipment that makes our lives easier. So today has been a stressful day with getting this stuff set up, but we the piece of equipment that's been giving us a hard time we're supposed to supposed to be under warranty. Mm. So Lord willing, within the next week or two, things will get easier again. But the reason we even have that is because of you who support. Listeners so thank like you, you very very much for that. We yes. do appreciate it. So. That's it. There you go. I got nothing else. Peace out, y'all. Peace out.